0: Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more.
1: Uh, just a moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna have my friend Pastor Corey demo. Pastor's a great church in in Southwest Florida. Come and he's gonna share the word with you today. Those of you that have been a part of Converge this weekend, uh, I know that you've been blessed. So I'm not gonna ask you to, to raise your hand if you've been blessed. It's been an incredible time. Friday night we had a, a great time and and God gave us a word for us in this season. And then yesterday we had different speakers from 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 around the city. And then Pastor Kerry Erickson from uh, from Mercy City Church. In Lincoln, she came and shared, and it was just incredible, and I'm, I'm I'm, trying to lay it on thick for those of you that weren't here to make you just feel a little bit bad, but I also want to let you know, I, I understand, I get it, you know, lives are busy, stuff's going on. We did record the sessions, and so if you weren't able to be a part of Converge this weekend, would it definitely encourage you. Like I told Pastor Dobie last night, I might just not preach for the next four weeks and just show all of the sessions that we had yesterday for those that couldn't be there because it was, it was literally that good. And so I want to definitely encourage you to, to get on and to, to watch those. And, and today, as we, as we finish it up, I know Pastor Corey is going to bring an incredible word. And, and, and after service, we've got something special that we're going to do. We've been looking forward to as we've been fasting and praying and seeking God's face and where he's calling us into this year. And so uh, without any further ado, I'm just going to invite my friend, Pastor Corey. Dream City, would you put your hands together and just welcome him this morning? Thank you.
0: Hey, it's great to be with you guys again. For those of you who weren't at Converge, uh, it's great to be back with Dream City. I had the privilege of being here with you uh, a few years ago. And um, I, love, I love the church. Before I do anything, I want to say this. Um, uh, this is a great church. You have incredible pastors in John and Angel. And uh, uh, I'm going to talk about how far back we go and some of the, the nonsense we still do to this day as lead pastors. Um, but uh, but I'm so excited to be here this weekend. I, I feel like God gave me some stuff that completely lined up with where you're at. And I really believe... This season, this prayer and fasting, this even this weekend is a catalyst for a new season and some really exciting things at Dream City. And I know pastors sometimes overstate that, but I even told you, I said, it's been a long time since I felt like this is, I think, exactly what God wants to say to this house at this time. And so it's been a privilege to be a part of that. But, um, but this whole be one to reach one, um, I, I don't know if you know this, but as a pastor of a church myself, we spend a lot of time carrying weight and putting pressure on ourselves to lead you well. We go away, we pray. It's no small thing. And and these guys carry the weight. So while they love you dearly, they want what's best for you. I talk to them, John, regularly, and he's just constantly, his heart is for you. And so um, uh, I want to just say thank you to let me be here. And and John is one of my closest friends at this season of my life. And so can you clap for your pastors? Because they genuinely, you have great pastors. They're awesome. Um, And it's, it's a thankless job sometimes. It is a thankless job. So uh, a little bit about me real quick. I'm born, raised in Nebraska. I'm a huge Husker fan. I think I'm the only, I think I'm the only objective Husker fan there is. Um, but uh, I'm a huge Husker, maybe you and me. Um, but uh, I love the, my Huskers. I uh, grew up in central Nebraska. I'm a loper at college. Um, and then I was served on staff at Bellevue Christian Center for almost 16 years uh, in a various different roles. If you stay at church, they just keep giving you new things to do, um, <laughs> including like taking over churches. Um, and so, uh, so early on, I got to meet John. John was a friend of my pastor's son. Um, and, then, uh, and then early on, I realized that he loves golf like I love golf. So we connected on that. And um, I don't know that we've ever played in a tournament together that we didn't win, <laughs> maybe one. Uh, so we compete against each other, but we really we love competing for each other. We get asked all the time, who's better, you or John? I've always said John's probably a little bit better than I am. The USGA would agree with that right now, according to our handicaps. Um, but we both have our days. And so um, we, we played a lot of golf together. We were kind of young adults pulling our head out of our butts about the, about the same time. Um, and then we did youth ministry at the same time. In fact, when I was at Bellevue Christian Center and John was here, we did summers together. And, and John has, I, I, I always describe John as, uh, probably one of my closest friends in this season of life. We have a lot of similar uh, interests. Um, we fell in love with golf early on. And so that, that's a common ground. In fact, my 40th birthday, I got to celebrate. My wife said, like, go do whatever you want. I went on a golf trip with my brother and like three of my best friends. And John was one of them. And so, um, and, and really I didn't know that was a deposit for me to get invited to Scotland last year. Um, and so, uh, so I, you really get to know somebody after eight days nonstop driving on the right and wrong side of the road. Um <laughs> which your pastor did. Um, and, uh, and so had a great time. We, this was us in Scotland and his brother Jacob, you know, and then uh, Lico who used to be a part of this. So great time. We go way back. Uh, all people always ask, who's a better golfer? John is probably a little better than me. Uh, you, you, you just are. You weren't that day, but you usually are. Um, uh, and this is our, our friendship has went to a new level because he came into our men's conference. This was right after Scotland. And I said, hey... Um, You were going to preach, but we're doing this crazy series called Got Questions where we're handling like the hottest topics, uh, eternal salvation, the GLBTQ community, revelation, once saved all, I mean, you name it. And I said, but to do it, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna set it up like the Jimmy Fallon show. So we're gonna have some games like you could just preach a message or we could do discussion style. He's like, let's do it. Well, then I call them a couple weeks later. I'm like, okay, so here's the crazy thing. The game that week is called Slapjack. If you've ever seen Jimmy Fallon, it's two people who like you have to hit the jack first and it, whoever loses, there's a mystery item and you get slapped in the face by the other person. Now, what you need to know is we have six services every weekend in, in our church. Um, and so that's a lot of slapping. And, uh, and I felt like he's like the only friend I know in ministry that would either think about it or crazy enough to say yes. And so for six services, we were smoking each other with uh, tortilla. What's not on video is you s- exploded a tortilla on my face and run through. Um, uh, and, but, but literally, my church left a lasting impact because, well, I'll just show you. This is what happened.
1: Oh yes, yes,
0: Yes! because we have a frozen snapper. Now, what you don't see on that video is we didn't know when you hit somebody with a frozen fish. We'd never done it before. Uh, And you have to hold it by the face because what you don't see is one of the scales got under his skin and gashed his face. And the rest of the service, while I think we're talking about like eternal salvation. You're literally bleeding. Um, In fact, there is a scar, an eternal scar on his face. And so my church has both left its mark and scarred you for life. Um, but now, I mean, that's the level of friendship we're on. Like, we get through that, we get through anything. Um, and so when he said, hey, I want you to come speak at our conference, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, what? What? What's happening? Like I know what happened last time you were at my church. So uh, we go way back. Anyway, I, listen, um, I'm excited because I have a word that I, I told John, I, I get to speak and travel like he does sometimes. And I haven't felt this confident about a word for a house in a really long time. And, and I think this is gonna be the catalyst to the next season that God is bringing you in. And, and it's interesting because um, it's, it's, I, I've gotten to watch how it plays out if you really commit to this in my church. Uh, humbly, I have an amazing team. I'm in a fast growing area. Um, but we've seen in the, in the five years that I've been there, uh, easily 1,500 people say yes to Jesus for the first time. Um, and listen, I'm not an anointed evangelist. I'm not that spiritual. I'm not a great pastor. I tried not to get the job. I didn't want to be a pastor. Again, we have that in common. Um, I've watched normal, broken Jesus followers grab onto something Jesus said, and, and it's, just, it's just happening and I'm so excited to bring it to you because I think God wants to do the same thing here. And, every, and, and nobody's exempt from this. And so um, I want to dive right in. And this last weekend, we've been talking about the fact that we are the light of the world. I love that you guys have adopted this be one to reach one. Be a disciple, reach a disciple, because that's it. And it's so simple. Following Jesus is not complicated, but it's difficult. We're the ones that overcomplicate it. And so I loved. I need it to explain to me like for dummies. And so that's how I explain it. And so I like to keep things simple. And Jesus in his first ever message, first words out of his mouth were actually to the people who are going to follow him. He says, you are the light of the world. I need you to say, I'm the light of the world. The no, no, no. I need somebody who's excited to be in church to say, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Turn to somebody next. You say, I'm the, the I'm the light of the world. Turn to your second choice and tell them too. And so Jesus then goes in on three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount to talk about what does that mean? What does it mean to be the light? We are God's plan for redemption after Jesus. Some of you are like, I think they just invited a heretic. We are God's plan for redemption after Jesus. We aren't Jesus, but he flows through us. That's what he meant by you are the light of the world. In fact, a few, a few uh, uh, ideas later, as he's finishing this sentence, he's finishing this idea. He says, actually, here's how you live as light. He goes, let me help you. He says in Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin will destroy, but rather store up treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying, there's gonna be a world that's gonna tell you to, to, to treasure what they treasure, but I'm telling you to treasure what heaven treasures. And treasure of heaven, what is the treasure of heaven? The treasure of heaven is souls, because Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he said, here's what I came to be about. The son of man came so we could have awesome church services. That's not what Luke 19:10 says. So we could have feel-good moments. No, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. The treasure of heaven is broken, lost people that don't know they're the treasure of heaven. And Jesus has an eye for redeeming things, taking something broken and seeing its value and restoring it. And so he left heaven, the treasure, he he left heaven to restore and go get some treasures. What is the treasure treasure of heaven? Lost, hurt, broken people. People are the treasures of heaven. The treasure of heaven is a heart fixed on people, a heart fixed on people, not stuff, not entertainment, not even achievement. And so a question that I think we owe it to ourselves to answer in our lives as we think about how we go about our lives, especially if you're a young adult in this room, is what will my life count for? What will my life be about? What's my life gonna count for? Because, and you owe it to yourself to answer this question because there's a multi-billion dollar industry trying to answer that question for you. They're trying to tell you what they want your life to be about. And if you don't know and haven't considered and pondered, what do I want my life to be about? You're just going to follow their pattern. But Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. We don't play like they play. He says, my kingdom, my, my treasures, treasures on earth are different than treasures on heaven. So what are the treasures, on, uh, uh, what are the treasures on in heaven? They're, they're people. How do, we, how do we be a light? We let the light shine through us. And so I want to dive into a, a, a scripture, actually a, a book of the Bible that's probably less known, seldom talked about and read. It's very short. It's one chapter. It's in the New Testament. But it's really, really important and it doesn't get a lot of attention. And so if you have your Bible or you have a device and you want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Philemon. Uh, some of you grew up in a different Sunday school and they call it Philemon, doesn't really matter. We've translated most of them poorly. Uh, but Philemon, uh, it's one small chapter. And here's what you need to know about this because I believe this is God's word to Dream City in December, or in December January, February of 2023. Philemon chapter one. There's only one chapter. And here's what you need to know about Philemon. Philemon was written by the apostle Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Philemon is actually the only book in the New Testament that's not a letter to a group of people or church, but it's just to an individual. So it stands alone. And he puts a couple of things in here that I, I think we would do well to take to heart. And I will promise you this, if you will grab onto this and let this grab your heart, I think God's gonna do some major things in your life and you're gonna get to be a part of some other people's story and it's gonna get addicting in the best way. Yeah. So, but you don't need to hear from Corey today. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit. So let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, bring your word alive. God, I thank you that, uh, that you have, have allowed me to be a part of this. I pray, God, that there would just be uh, nothing in between. Heaven wants to speak to our hearts. Move me out of the way. Holy Spirit, grab our hearts. Make this uh, word stick to us. And, and bring fruit in our life. I pray, God, that this church, that there would be just an anointing, a blessing, a favor for them to latch on to this, God. And, and, and for everybody who, who hear this message that would, would, would have to wrestle with the thought that, yeah, he's probably not talking to me because I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified to do this, that that noise would stop and that they would know that you are calling and choosing them because you are the one who sees the value in us when no one else does. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul's going to write a letter to his friend called Philemon, and that's what it's called. And so let's gonna, I want to read the majority of it, and then um, we'll skip a couple things, and then I want to kind of unpack this a little bit. So here's what Paul, not to a church, to a person, says about his friend Philemon. Paul is writing from Rome. Paul is a business leader in Colossae. Colossae so different regions, they're a little bit further away, and he's writing to encourage his friend because uh, Philemon has, has helped Paul with ministry. He says, I always thank God for you. We're going to jump in at verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and for your love for all the saints. That's good stuff. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother have refreshed the heart of the saints. Philemon's a baller. Like, he's about it. He loves him some Jesus. He loves the Jesus followers. He loves people. He encourages leaders. Philemon's got the juice, right? Philemon's that guy. We're going to jump into verse 10. He says, now, the reason for this letter, and this is the real reason for the letter, the second part of it. He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. So I'm going to send him who he is my very heart. I'm going to send him back to you. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Okay, so that tells you a lot about what's going on here. Somebody say there and then. See, we live in a world in a time where a lot of people are making the Bible say a lot of things it doesn't really say. And what's more important than even what the Bible says is what the Bible means. Come on, somebody. If we don't know what the Bible means, we're going to make it say whatever we want it to say. And what I have found in order to better understand the words of the Bible, it helps me to know the world of the Bible. So let's talk about the world of the Bible a little bit more. Here's what we know. Let's, let's break this down. Philemon, as you can see, knew this guy Onesimus. He used to be with him. He runs into Paul and Paul sending him back. That's what we know. So let's unpack this a little bit. Here's what we know. Philemon was a successful businessman. He was, he was good, had uh, done well for himself, had slaves, had property. Also, he runs a house church. Like he's, got a, he's a campus pastor. He's a small group extraordinaire. Like they, they get down at Philemon's. Like they love some Jesus. He's been instrumental in helping teach people about Jesus and grow them and, and, and help them to be who God made them to be. And, they, and he, he hosted house church. Now, what we also know is at one point, Philemon had a slave named Onesimus. But Onesimus left. What we believe, what most historians believe is Onesimus was a slave um, that actually robbed Paul on his way out. And he's like, for whatever reason, Onesimus felt like he'd had to get out, or I'm sorry, robbed uh, Philemon, had to get out from underneath Philemon. And so he, Onesimus, is like, I got to get out of here. I'm not having this. Take some stuff. And he's like, I got to get as far away from I can. Leaves Colossae, you can look this up on a map later, and goes to Rome. That's what we know. He runs away from Philemon, all the way away from Rome. And, and as fate and the Holy Spirit would have it, he's like, I just gotta get out of this. They're always singing like, I love you, Lord, and I'm having house church, and are like, da-da-da-da. He's like, I gotta, get he goes to Rome, and he just happens to run into some dude in prison named Paul. Who had a little bit of a reputation for telling everybody about Jesus. Because as bad as Onesimus might've been, Paul was worse. He was like, yeah, like there are some Christians that went to heaven a little early on my account, like Stephen, you know, like uh, he hated Christians, but he's like, I met Jesus and I got to tell everybody. So while Onesimus is like, I'm out, he goes to another city to do God knows what and he runs into Paul and Paul does what Paul does. He's like, let me tell you about how bad I was, how wrong I was, how right I thought I was, but how wrong I actually was. But then I met Jesus and he didn't shame and condemn me. He actually met me where I was. And he's like, hey, I got something better for you to do with your energy and your zeal. And now I serve and I love him. And I tell people about, in fact, I'm in chains for preaching Jesus. They beat me, don't even care. Last time they threw me in prison. Me and Silas started a worship night. Everybody got saved, the jailer, his family. It was like epic, dude. Like, so like I've been shipwrecked. I've been bitten by snakes. Like, what's your story, bro? Onesimus is like, whoa, that's intense. Or as Marty McFly would say, that's heavy. <laughs> There's something wrong with me. So he, and so what happens in the moment is Onesimus has this radical transformation, this salvation moment. He's like, hey, do you want to invite the real Jesus in? He's like, done, bet, game on. So Onesimus is like transformed, like he's changed. He's like, man, and so he's explaining more about Jesus. And Onesimus is like, listen, like I actually am not from Rome. I'm like, I escaped. I, I, I got to go back to my master. And, and, and Paul's like, yeah, like tell me about it. He's like, yeah, I used to work for this guy uh, in Colossae. And, 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 so, but, and so what we know is Onesimus was doing some ministry with Paul. And he's like, Paul's like, nah, you got to go back. Like he's like, I want to go make it right. I want to rebuild that bridge. God's into reconciliation. He's into redemption. Like I didn't leave Right. And so Paul's going to write this letter. And, uh, and, and so that's what leads this relationship. And it's a real deal. Like Onesimus is transformed. And he's like, I got to go back to Philemon. And so Paul basically writes this letter. He's like, hey, Philemon, I need you to know I met Onesimus. He's going to tell you he met Jesus. And I'm just telling you it's the real deal. Like it's what's up. Remember what happened to me? Happened to him too. So I'm sending him back. Like he's not trying to rob you. He's not trying to come back. You know, you don't got to hide your wives, hide your kids. Like it's none of that. Like he's coming. I'm coming. He's coming. We coming. He, was, he got his Deion Sanders game right. Uh, and so I want to dig into this a little more because Paul, Paul says a couple things to Philemon that, gosh, I wish every church we would just kind of zoom in on this more often. Mine included. I missed, I've been a church kid my whole life, pastor's kid, and a pastor for a long time. And in all of those, I miss this a lot, way more than I, more than I, I, I care to acknowledge. But, but I'm so glad that God has awakened me to it. And I'm not good at it, but I'm trying. And so here's what Paul says to his buddy Philemon. So the letter is, I'm going to send him back. So let's look at just a couple things he says. First of all, he says this, I always thank God as I remember you. He's like, you're a big deal. Like, you're a kingdom warrior. Like, we need you. But he says two things. He says, because I hear about your faith in Jesus. He's like, man, you love Jesus. You get Jesus. He's real to you. I love your faith in Jesus. There have been times you had to go without or didn't know what was going to happen. But you have faith in Jesus. I thank God for your faith in Jesus. That's a great thing to be, like, hollered about. He goes, and beyond that, I don't just thank God for that, but I also thank him for your love for all the saints. Man, you're taking care of people. Like these other people, you're telling them, like they're coming into you, your house church. I know you got like small group on Tuesday, worship night on Thursday. You break bread on Saturday. Like, man, you're teaching them about Jesus. You love the saints. They talk about how they used to be this and now they're that. And you're like, let's go, keep going. Like there's more, there's more. He's like, you love Jesus. You love the saints. You love Jesus. You love the church. You love Jesus. You love Christians. You love Jesus. And man, you love Jesus followers. He goes, but I'm going to pray something else. In light of all that, I love that you love Jesus and I love that you love his people, but I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. You'd be more active in people who don't know Jesus, who don't look like Jesus, who don't live like Jesus, who don't look like you, who don't listen to your music, who don't vote like you, who raise their kids different than you. I love that you love Jesus and I love that you love church services, but I pray. That God will ramp you up and act in your faith. And here's why. I love this. this I've never seen this statement anywhere else in the Gospels. He says, here's why I want you to share your faith more. So that you, Philemon, will have a more full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. He's saying, as much as I love what you're doing and as much as you're getting in on, there's a part of your faith and there's something not alive in you yet that can't, you can't understand and know. There's a depth, there's an intimacy, there's a joy, there's a purpose, there's a life that there's a little bit you're missing because you love Jesus and you love the saints. But man, if you start sharing your faith with people who don't know Jesus, something else is gonna come alive in you and it's a game changer. Yes, so he says, so I love that, but I pray that you would do that. And so he's like, I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you would have a full... uh, He doesn't say because people are lost and going to hell, although that's a really good reason. Because I want you to have a fuller understanding of the Jesus, part of his heart that you're missing out on. Because see, the the closer I get to Jesus, the more I should love what he loves. And if I love what he loves... Like, right, you ever become friends with somebody and they have kids and whether you're a kid person or not, the more you love them, the more you just love their kids? Why? That's how it works. Well, it should be the same way with Jesus. The more I closer I get to Jesus and the more I love Jesus, I should love what he loves, His kids. Whether they're Niners fans or Cowboys fans, whether they're in the house going, why don't you throw a party? Or they're wilding and out eating with the pigs. You guys can figure out which one's which. I love both of y'all. Because Chiefs are already going in. We're good. I'm good. It's easy. So here, I want to dive into the backstory story because I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this a little bit. Imagine this, the there and then. I want you to not just know the story, but like imagine what this is. So let's, let's, let's put ourselves in the story. So you have this slave. His name is Onesimus. He's under Philemon, and Philemon loves Jesus, and he's having church service, house church, and he's building the kingdom in Colossae, part of the Colossians church. He'd have been included in that. But Onesimus is like, I hate this Philemon. I got to get out of here. He runs. He wild now. He prodigal son. I got to go. And he runs into Paul. And Paul like runs. He's like, hey, dude, what's your story? He's like, oh, man, it's like I was with this guy. It's like I left, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, that's crazy. Where are you from? It's like Colossae. Oh, Colossae. I started a church in Colossae. Like, I got some people there. And he's like, yeah, I was a slave, and da 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 da. And he's like, oh, who did you like? What were you? What would you do? He's like, I work for this business guy. Like, what was his name? Philemon. Philemon, that's my boy. Like, I know. Could you imagine what's going on in on Onesimus? like, are you telling me you're friends with Philemon? Like, where can I go where God cannot find me? Nowhere. But he goes, Philemon, no way, dude. He's a boss. His church, they're like, man, they're got it going on. He loves Jesus. They take care of me. They do communion. He's like, yeah. He's like, and so he has this conversation. He's like, yeah, I know him. He's like, he's like, do you, like what are you doing? He's like, ah, da da da. And then he introduced him. To Jesus, like, so he's like, whoa, 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 hold on, wait, wait, wait. You work for Philemon? Yeah. Like Philemon House Church. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of slaves. You're telling me you've been in Philemon's house all this time. Loves Jesus, Philemon. Loves church. But he never told you about Jesus? You worked. You were a slave. You helped helped make those services happen. But you had to come to Rome to meet me in prison for me to tell you about Jesus? Philemon, I love that you love Jesus. And I love that you love the saints. But... Be a little more active in sharing your faith because in your house is a slave that had to come to Rome to meet me. By the way, I don't even need to preach this message. If you will just go watch the three sessions yesterday by Carrie, Andy, and Jim, it's incredible. They're going to give heart, practical stories, and inspiration for all. You don't even need me. Like I was average, they were amazing. But I'm just pouring gas on the fire at this point. I also pastor a church that's doing this. I will say that. He's like, don't forget to share your faith. And Paul is speaking to them, and I think it's the same thing he would say to us, is that one of the most dangerous places that followers of Jesus, Christians, can get is an inward-looking, self-centered version of Christianity. Where it's about me, my relationship, how I feel, the kids' ministry. And listen, I understand you got to be fed and you got to do that, but, but listen, like there's too much consumerism in the church now. We say on one of our church codes is we believe that we are the church. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Think about that. So we say we're not consumers, we're contributors. Christianity, where instead of loving those who are far from God, we judge those who are far from God. Where instead of having a heart to reach out to those who are broken and hurting, we have an attitude of retreating and running from them. And before long... We get a lot of people going, stay away from the world. The world is bad. Stay away from those people. And there's obvious wisdom. We parent kids. We're, we got boundaries. I've read every boundaries book there is. I know. Thank you. You can email John about how off I am right now. There's non-Christians and they let their kids watch Sp- Spongebob Squarepants and all this stuff. And they cuss at the baseball team and all this stuff. But here's the, th- here's the, th- here's the problem. And I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I'm like, protect the kids. But here's my problem when I read Jesus. Because I, Je- I love the word. I love Jesus. I'm not good at being like him, but I'm trying. The last thing he said wasn't, um, hey, I'm going to go to heaven, so go in your houses and hide. The last thing he said was the same thing as the first thing he said. Go let your light shine because it's dark out there. It's dark. And I said this on Friday. I said, here's the best part of the darkness. Our job is not to drive out the darkness. That's God's job. Our job is just to let our light shine wherever he puts us. That's freeing for me, because my number one is responsibility, so I'll own all of it emotionally. <laughs> Christians, go. He said, go shine. He says, you're the salt. You're the light. He goes, you don't run from darkness. You run into darkness. You engage them. You get them. In. And so I think at this point, we probably would all agree this is important. And so Paul is saying to Philemon, and I'm saying to you, hey, I love that you love church. I love that you're committed. I love that you're online, whatever. But man, share your faith. Why? Because there's a lot of darkness out there, and there's a lot of people who need what you have. Yes, yes. How do I know? Because Jesus said, this isn't about evangelism. He, says, he said, this isn't being evangelists. He says this isn't about an anointing. He said, there's so much in the harvest, it's not even funny, but I can't find any workers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is there an anointing for an evangelist? Absolutely. I've watched you do it most of my life. But I'm saying, you don't have to be an evangelist to share your faith. Right. So if that's the case, then why don't we do it? I think there's a few reasons we don't do it. Number one, I think we just get busy, right? Like, I'm busy. I, got, I run a church. I got kids. You know, I'm trying to, like, balance family and all this stuff. I'm busy. I love people, but I just get busy. Life happens, and we forget about the importance of it. I think another reason, we don't want to be that weird person. Like, we've always seen the weird person who's yelling at people or shouting them down or whatever, the bullhorn guy or, or, or whatever. Like, yeah, oh, don't be weird. Like, yeah, don't be weird. But but either you're weird or you're not. And if you don't know who you are, John will tell you. Um, <laughs> ask him. Give him permission to be honest. Um, we don't want to be, the I think another one is we're, we're, it's, it, we're afraid of being rejected. But they're not rejecting you, right? And here's what I found. The more I know who I am in Christ, I don't have to own the rejection. I'm just Amen. sowing seeds. Oh, you weren't ready, that's fine. Amen. But here's the big one, and this is what I think Paul said. This is why I think Paul said we said to Philemon. This is the main reason I think more people don't um, be active in sharing their faith and in being inviting is they don't think they know enough. We don't feel like we know enough. We didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to Wheaton. I don't know. I didn't even know Philemon was in the Bible. John uses words like Nephilim and... What? And I'm like, can't spell church, right? But listen, watch what Paul tells Philemon. We think this is the best inverse there is. We think if I understood more then I would share my faith, right? But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. When you share your faith, then you understand more what you have in Christ. That's what we just read. So why are we holding back? I don't know enough. He's like, just know what you know. Because I just told somebody this between services. He's like, I haven't been doing this long. I'm like, listen, I was told a long time ago, wherever you are on your path with Jesus, somebody's a step or two behind you. So just tell them where you are, tell them what God's done and bring them on for the ride. And if you don't know much, be like, let's go find somebody who knows together. And then I also tell my people all the time, don't pretty up your testimony. The worse you were, the more God did. So give him glory. Like my dad was in prison. Like that helps. That gives a whole lot of people hope, right? So... Share your story. And so, but I love this because Paul, we're like, well, if I understood more than I'd share. Paul's like, no, 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 that's backwards. You just start putting yourself out there. You watch the Holy Spirit work, even give you words. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. But when you do, you become more aware of what you have in Christ. And so he's talking about this beautiful cycle about what happens when we do it is we, we understand more. And then we have more faith and then more people come to Jesus. And then we understand more and we have more faith and more people come to Jesus. And so, so how does this work? If you're like me, I get overwhelmed with all the problems and the darkness in the world. And so it, here's the really, really simple way of doing it because this whole letter is about one person. Somebody say one. 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 I'm going to invite you to have one person in 2023. One. One, one. I want you to have a one. The whole Bible is about one. Jesus was about the one sheep, the one coin, the one woman, the one child, the one friend. It was always leaving the crowds for the one. Yeah. And what's one? One is just simply this. You wanna go on the spiritual ride of your life and understand more what God has for you? This year, make this year about this. Who's the one person that you're gonna pray for and actively participate in and trying to come to know Jesus this year? I don't know where to start. I, I don't mean to disagree with you, but you're like, oh, maybe have five. No, have one. And then what happens when they get saved? Get a new one and get them to get one. One person you're praying for. And sometimes it happens in a couple weeks and sometimes it takes two, three years and it takes three or four families. I've seen it both, but one person, this is what Paul's inviting. All you need is one person. So how do I do this? I want to give you just real quick. We don't have a lot of time left. Just to give you a few practical steps. How do I share my faith? What does this look like? And I want to tell you, listen, as humbly as I can, I, we've introduced this to our church a while ago. And the one thing we do is we just keep it in front of them all the time. We tell stories about ones. We have visuals about ones. We come up and pray for the one once a month in worship. And it's just like we have seen, oh, well over a thousand people come to know Jesus. Because broken people who don't know that much about their faith are just offering what they do know. And as they're sharing their faith, they're becoming more aware of what God has in them. And, and what's happening is their one is like, hey, um, I want to have a one. Can I have a one? Like, yeah, that's kind of how this works. Right. And so I've been there five years. So we're kind of second, third, fourth generation into some of this. And you're, you have something really cool we're going to do in a few minutes. John's going to lead us. But how do I do this? Like, oh, pastor, I don't know the Bible like you and John. And I can't and whatever. Listen, four simple things that every single one of us can do. Number one, you pray for them. Yep. This is going to be really simple. Pray. God, would you open their hearts? God, would you make them aware, put put spirituality, you, on their radar? God, would you make me willing to share? Would you give me boldness? Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me the words? Will you draw them to you? Will you just pray what you know to pray? Pray for them. God, I pray. And then you pray for them out loud by name. Pray for them in the morning. Pray for them when you're getting ready. Pray for them when you drive. Pray for them. God, I pray that in due time they would come to know you. (laughs) I'll I'll guarantee you this. I will guarantee every person this. If you will do these four things and you won't quit, it's going to happen. I guarantee it. Why? My God's greater, because He loves broken, lost people. Here's the second one: pray for people, pray for them to be saved. No truth. And the second one is share your story. We're so afraid of our story because it's still being written and it's not. Per- listen, we got to get rid of that and just share your story. Some of you have you have crazy stories. You're like you have wild stories. Like I used to smoke weed, drink her- you know, dr- drink whiskey, shoot heroin. Hey, listen, I'd, I've heard some stories. I I used to drink everything there was. I used to shoot heron and Jesus saved me. That's a hope. That's my dad's story. That's that's a hope-filled story. Some of your stories are more like mine. It's like I used to smoke candy cigarettes. I used to drink Pepsi. And I used to shoot squirrels and Jesus saved me. Like it doesn't matter. (laughs) Just tell your version of a story. Because God's always, here's what I've seen with God. I'm I'm starting on my fifth decade on this planet, which makes me early 40s, not early 50s. (laughs) I am old. God will always put people in your life that are just a couple steps behind on the same path you are. Whatever he's been doing in your life, I guarantee there's somebody in your life that needs what you have. So just share your story. Maybe it's not that, but it's, I lost a child too. We couldn't get pregnant for 10 years too. I lost my mom to cancer too. Yeah, I'm on my second, third marriage, too. I've had a, a, a strange relationship with my adult child, too. We've been through some diagnosis, too. We've been through the, the ring with, I mean, we spent more money on marriage counseling than anybody I know, too. Like, share your story. But God is coming in, and we're not where we want to be. But I'll tell you, we ain't where we were, and it's only because of Jesus. Yeah. Share your story. Yeah. And more importantly, ask them theirs. Right. But your story is going to give hope to people. And when you share your story, again, people might respect you for your strengths, but they'll connect to you through your brokenness and your weaknesses. And then three, this is crazy. This is crazy. Invite people to church. Do you know how many people will say yes if you invite them? Do you know how I know? I never used to invite people to church. And then they gave me a church. I'm like, well, I'm at least going to create the church I always wanted to have. So I didn't have to explain a bunch of stuff when I came to church. So we're crazy fun. It's me. So it's like, Hey, invite them to church. I invite people to church all the time. Now, I don't tell them I'm a pastor. That's super fun. I invite people at my gym, my servers, all the time. Hey, you got a church. Come to this church. The people are great, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, if you need somebody, you can sit with me. A couple times that's happened, and then I just walk on stage after worship. It's so fun. <laughs> They're like. <laughs> invite people to church. Go fi- and and how, who do I invite to church? Go where they are. Jesus found the woman at the well. He knew where the woman who was even outcast in her own community would be at noon that day. You know where they are, they're everywhere. And then number four, live a life that other people want. Live a life that other people want. How, how is it that you have so many kids and you do all this stuff, but like you have joy and you have peace, your kids are respectful. Well, they're not, but we, da, 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 da. And you love your life and, and, and you don't have like money like we do, but da, 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 like how do you do that? Live a life other people want. I got cancer, but I have peace. I got love for people. And remember, as you do this, your faith grows. And there's this beautiful cycle. And I put it up here. I want you to see it. As you share your faith, more lives are changed. As more lives are changed, you grow in your understanding of what you have in Christ. And as you do that, you become more outward focused. Well, what do you think happens when you become more outward focused? You start to share more. And then you see more transformation. And then you have more understanding. And everybody's growing. We're bringing people to heaven one person at a time. So we're gonna pray, God, give us opportunities to share our faith. I wanna hit pause real quick before I close. I have a story I wanna close with. But I just wanna say this. I don't, you might be watching online, you might be here. You might be a visitor or a guest. You're like, I've never heard anything like this. Before I, we tell anybody to do something, you might be somebody else's one today. You might be needing exactly what I talked about, like I was here, but because of Jesus, I'm here. And I wanna have that. The good news is Jesus came. The treasure of heaven was Jesus. And he came and he offered himself and he offers the best of him for the worst of you. And if you're like, I'm not a religious person, I'm not a church guy, I would, I would try God, but I gotta clean up my life first. No, let me tell you, you don't have to do that. You come to God and he cleans your life up. It's beautiful. We got it in the wrong order. And so I think maybe you're like, I don't really have a, 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 a religious story. I think you're here today because your story starts today. And so I actually wanna push pause and say a prayer that we're all gonna to pray together. And if you're here and you're like, I, I, I was hurting, I was addicted, I've lost a child. I've tried the stuff, but I need what you have. I wanna say yes. I wanna invite Jesus in. I wanna have that. I just wanna pray for you right here in this moment without embarrassing anybody. And so if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we're all gonna say a prayer together. Our, our, we have a rule in our church, nobody prays alone. So I'm gonna ask everybody to bow your heads right now. Right, just right real quick, right real quick. Just ask a question for reflection. If you recognize today, I know my story needs to begin. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. And by faith, I want to live in him. That's my prayer. That's what I need. If that's you today, would you just acknowledge between you, me, and God, that's me, and just slip your hand up and put it right back down. We had several in the first service. I see the hand. I see the hand. Hands everywhere. You can put it right back down. Slip it up. Put it down. We're just going to say a super short prayer. This is us making the greatest transformation, the decision of our life. Your, your journey begins today. And so I'm not going to ask just you to pray. We're all going to pray this together because I want you to see what it's like when you're in the family of God. So I'm going to invite everybody to say this very simple prayer and repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for making me your treasure. Forgive my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus died for me so that I could live for you. So today I'm trusting you. With my whole life. Fill me with your spirit so that I can know you, serve you, and follow you. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for my new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we give God some praise today for some new friends and family in the kingdom? Now to the rest of us, to others of us who didn't raise our hands, like I already said yes, maybe we're some Philemons. We love Jesus and we love the church, but God's talking to us. I would remind you what William Temple said a long time ago. The church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not yet its members. It's not about going to church, guys. It's about being in the church. It's not about putting our light and covering it up, but it's about letting it shine. Let me tell you why this matters because you have no idea who's in your world and how long they're gonna be there. So our, our church is hooked on this, we're big on it. And we all have a one, and, and let me tell you about Nick. I'll close with the story of Nick, and then I'm gonna turn over to Pastor John. Uh, Nick had been growing up in church, uh, but never really been inviting and, and kind of latched onto this. Was like, there's somebody I wanna pray for. And so he had a coworker, uh, Crystal and Paul. And so he started inviting Crystal and Paul, and they said, no, not right away. Um, but then New Year's hit and they said, we'll, we'll come. And, um, and so Paul and Crystal, came, uh, their first, they, the first time they came was the first service we did in January of 2021. And they were intrigued enough to try it out and give us the, the, to let us finish the series. And rather than tell you the story, I want to read you from Paul's writing. Paul wrote us a, a, an email uh, months later about how much his life was transformed. Because one normal, broken, imperfect Christian prayed for Paul, invited Paul, Paul, shared his faith with Paul. Here's Paul's story. This is what Paul said to us. He says, I was never a churchgoer and I nor considered myself a Christian. After the new year, a friend of Crystal's, my wife, suggested that we should attend a church at Cape Christian. She asked me if I wanted to come along and I agreed since I've actually been searching for God's grace, which I've never seemed to find. Paul's 48, by the way. Our first attendance was the very first Sunday service of 2021 and um, we started the brand new series and I was moved by the idea of removing religion away from a temple model and simply to a relationship with Jesus. I decided after that service, I'd give this pastor in this church uh, to the end of the four part series. And I promised myself and my wife, I would come with an open mind and give uh, an open heart and give Christianity the proverbial college try. I also decided to attempt the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we tried. And the next four weeks, I dedicated a good amount of effort to trying to understand and process all this new information. A curious transformation began in my heart and in my mind. And I found myself looking forward to going to church. Crystal and I sat with Nick who invited us and already Christian, almost every night we discussed the devotional from the 21 days of prayer, and we attended all four weeks of the sessions. The more I devoted to this journey, the more I wanted to continue on the new path. I continued to go to service on Sunday. I joined Alpha, and I looked into Jesus' story through the lens of the gospels, asking my friends and even watching movies and documentaries. I found myself craving more grace. Then we went to the uh, marriage weekend and renewed our relationship, and that followed a relationship series. Then you talked about bringing something and coming hungry and I came hungry for more of God's grace. I went through growth track to bring something. I wasn't sure what, but whatever I was, I was wanting to bring what I had because the hunger was there. Then you did the CrossFit series and Lord know I needed to make improvements on my body. Uh, and the sequence of events I found beginning the first Sunday of 2021 began to feel like your whole year was set up as a program so designed solely for me. It was surreal as I began, like what was my own version of the Truman Show and it was literally like this whole thing had been produced and rolled out just for me. And as I did, I found what I had always been looking for, God's grace, This is what he closes with. I've never considered myself a Christian, and I can't in good humor honestly say that I've ever prayed or truly acknowledged God. But last Sunday, I felt in my heart, I was ready to be baptized and completely or rather formally and publicly let him into my life. As I'm fairly certain, I let him in whether I knew it or not sometimes after that first Sunday service. I'm sorry for this trifle long-winded, but I felt the need to get this down in writing for me more than anybody else as I process the scope of how much I've grown in my relationship with God over the past two months. I also wanted to express how instrumental your church has been in nurturing the growth. There's a reason why we drive an hour to go to church. That was January, 2021. What we didn't know was that in September of 2021, Paul was gonna contract COVID and because of health complications, he would pass away. So we got Paul's last eight months of almost a 50 year life. Paul was searching, he was looking for grace and he just needed one follower of Jesus to risk it and go, hey, do you wanna come to church? And his last eight months, he found Jesus, he found a community, he grew in his faith, he fell in love with God. I actually have his last journal entry where he talks, his last journal entry before he went to the hospital was God, I just want more of you every day. Paul gets to spend eternity forever with Crystal and us because not because of a pastor, because one of you went to work and said, I wanna be more active in sharing my faith. Paul's my one. I have hundreds of stories and videos of people coming and how this looks in our church is everybody's one has a name on a lock. And it starts with the Venice Love Lock Bridge started by a Hungarian woman uh, after World War II. Um, She was romantically madly in love and her husband died in World War I, I'm sorry. And so what she did is she went back and visited all the the cities that they were in and they had meaningful connection and she put their initials on a lock and put them on all the bridges. And this became a thing and it grew in popularity. And now cities all over Europe have bridges covered with lock that represent the love of two people and they call them love locks. And so we've adopted this, but rather than it be romantic love, we have a wall in our church that have, this is our wall that have locks, but it's not romantic, it's everybody's one. And what we do is we put their name on it and we and we pin it up there. And when they come to church and when they give their life to Jesus, like some of you did today, we walk them to the wall and go, We've been praying for you for a long time. We went before you. There's a community that can't wait to welcome you into their family. And then we take it off and we give it to them. And here's what's happening. Most of them are going like, they're overwhelmed, they're amazed. This man had been two families, one for years and didn't know it, gave his life to Jesus, got baptized. He's on our staff. And every single one of them are going, Well, wait, now that I have this, can I have a one? And so now they get a lock. And so we're seeing Our city transformed and we're seeing lives changed one person at a time. Not because people are going and preaching the gospel at work, but because they're sharing their story, praying for friends, inviting them to church. Because they're taking Paul at his word say, I love that you love Jesus and I love that you love the church, but I'd love for you to be active in following and be active in sharing your faith. And so today I came to compel you to do that because... I can't wait for the stories that I believe are gonna come out of Dream City. God has been working under the surface for months before to get here and the b one, reach one couldn't be any more perfect. And so I know that Pastor John's gonna come and invite you to have a one and explain how this works. But I believe you guys have your own love lock bridge, but but I'd love to just pray for you. And all I wanna pray is that how normal it's been in Cape Coral would be how normal it would be for you. It's just become a normal thing that every week, five to 40 people give their lives to Jesus. Because somebody prayed, somebody invited, and somebody shared their faith. Heavenly Father, I pray, whatever, whatever you're doing at our church, would you do it at Dream City? Would you help us to take the word from this place? Would you ignite a fire for people coming to know you one person at a time? Equip, empower, and, and give courage to every student, teenager, young adult, adult, mom, dad, grandparent, coworker, in-law. And God, I pray that we would see you do what you promised you would do. You said the harvest is plentiful. You're just looking for a few people to go. So I pray, God, an anointing to go in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Did you appreciate that word? Thank you, Corey. Thank you for for coming and being obedient and sensitive to, to what God was doing here in, in depositing in you so that you can come and make a deposit in us. And we know that that, that happened this weekend. For those of you that have, have been at Dream City, some of you are, are newer, some of you just in the last six months, some of you have been here for years. Uh, the last several years praying and, and going into the new year, it's like, God, what's your word for us? Where are you taking us? Where are you leading us? What are you saying to us? And some of you, some of you remember when God said he was doing a new thing. And it was a new thing with new pastors and a new name. And there was a lot of newness that year. And then the the next year, God told us to be fearless. And a few months later, COVID broke out. And it's like, fearless, God, really? Like, you knew where we were going. And then God said, keep moving forward. And so so throughout the years, I've made it my prayer and, and me and Angel take it seriously it's like God uh, what are you where are you leading us in the next year and this year praying really feeling like over the last couple of years it's been a season of healing for us as a church for you as individuals for families and, and in different areas i think covid was was a great revealer and whatever was right under the surface quickly rose to the top and so we we had to take some time to to heal ourselves and and feel like and I've shared this but if you're if you're new this is new for you but but feel like the last couple of years have been a season of preparing new wineskins for the new wine that God was bringing. Because you can't put new wine into old wineskins. So I feel like the last couple of years, God's been doing things in us in preparation for a harvest that was going to come. And so praying going into this year, like, God, what are you saying to us? And, and really it was just Matthew 28, Jesus speaking to, this, to the disciples saying, therefore go. Be a disciple who makes disciples, be one and reach one. And so, so as we step into the harvest fields, as we, as the answer to somebody else's prayer, go and, and some of us plant and some of us water, we know that God is gonna cause it to grow. So here's what we're gonna do in just a moment. I'm gonna pray for you, I'm gonna pray for us. And, and as you leave the, the sanctuary out in the foyer, there's some tables, there will be volunteers out there. There's, there's gonna be locks out on the table over the last 21 days we've been fasting and praying and, and saying God who's that one for me who are you putting on my heart who's the co-worker who's the classmate who's the neighbor who's the guy at the gym who's that person that I'm going to pray for that I'm going to share my story with that I'm going to be intentional relationally with this year and by faith believe and, and, and pray them into the kingdom We're going to go out there, we're going to write the name of that person on the lock and then we're going to put it up on the fence and we're going to wait with eager anticipation as we do our part and as the Holy Spirit does his part. We're going to wait for the day where we can come in and they say yes to Jesus. We can take that lock off and then we can go get a new lock. We can do it all over again. But maybe you're here and maybe you haven't been with us for 21 days. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about this. Maybe maybe even while Pastor Corey was, was speaking, the Holy Spirit was giving you the name of one person in your life. But I want us to do this. I want to just give you one minute. I to give you one minute to just silence your heart and silence your mind and just sit in God's presence and say, God, who's that one? God, who are you asking me to pray for? Who are you leading me to take to coffee to share my story? Who are you challenging me to invite to church? Who is that one? This morning I want to pray for you and then we'll be dismissed and again we've got volunteers and staff and I'll be out there with you. Lord I thank you. I thank you for what you've done this weekend God. I thank you for Pastor Corey and I thank you for Carrie and for Jim and for Andy and everything that's been deposited and and God all the ways that we've been encouraged and inspired and challenged to be one and to reach one. Lord today as we 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 look at this story of, of Philemon. God, there's so many of us that our story is we love you and we love the church, but we've been silent in sharing our faith. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us in that, that as we step out and as we... We begin to be obedient in this area that our faith would grow. And, and, God, that you would do incredible things. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we open our mouth, that it would not be our words, but that it would be your words. I pray that you would help us to see, not with our physical eyes, but help us to see what you see. And, and God, I pray that you would break our heart for what breaks yours, that we would no longer be calloused to the pain and the hurt around us, that we would, we would no longer turn a blind eye or a cold shoulder to those in our community who are crying out. But God, I pray that we would lean in. I pray that we would respond with compassion, the same compassion, Jesus, that you you had as you saw the crowds as sheep without a shepherd. Lord, that we would go from this place radically transformed by the power of your word. To go and first be a disciple in our first space. And then, God, to to witness in my second space and to live with intentionality in my third space. And, God, everywhere that you take me, may may we be like Paul, who even said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. May we be imitators of Paul, just telling everybody, everywhere about a God that loves them and treasures them and values them and created them as his masterpiece. Lord, I thank you by faith for the stories. I thank you by faith for the the stories of transformation. The kids whose dad is about to get radically saved in their lives will forever be changed. A single mom who's struggling, whose life is going to be changed, whose family is going to be changed. I thank you that destinies are going to be altered, that paths are going to be altered this year as your people go and not just come to church, but go and be the church. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we're humbled by the opportunity to partner with you in furthering your kingdom. And we do this not to make the name of any church great. We do this not to make our own name great. But God, we we do this to make your name famous in our city. That the name of Jesus would be made famous in the Omaha metro area as we go and as we love in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning, church. Can we put our hands together one more time for Pastor Corey?
0: Here at Dream City, Omaha, we're all about three things, helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals, and we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with
1: Christ.